such a powerful uh, gospel today. We all know this. Um, we're going to kind of do two things today. Before we jump in, though, um, you'll see some seminarians. They're back in school. So, Zach, would you stand up just a second? So, uh, Zach Mahalchek is one of our seminarians assigned to Lourdes this year. Him and Jacob Machado. Um, so, both of them, you're slated to be a deacon in the spring, right? If I recommend you, right? Okay. <laughs> Don't cross me. Okay. <laughs> okay, you can sit down. Uh, thrilled to have you with us. I hope you guys will get to know Zach and welcome him and Jacob and our other seminarians, um, men who are striving to give their lives to God, really great things. So I always try to root my preaching in Scripture. So important, the, the, the Bible, we, you and I need to be rooted and grounded in Scripture. The Bible is a Catholic book. We need to be. So... Today, Jesus starts off this parable, and at verse 3, it says, So he told them this parable, and then he tells three parables. So when you get two homilies, that's, and then you think it's supposed to be one, this is biblical. <laughs> All right? This is biblical. This is how it works, and you can thank me after Mass. It wasn't three. Uh, no, obviously getting in there. But Jesus does do that. So here's the thing. Today, Luke 15, this is one of those markers in the Bible. Every one of us should know Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 is the only place the story of the prodigal son is told. We hear it every year, but it is not in Matthew, Mark, or John. It's only in Luke's gospel. And Jesus today, he tells three parables, but they're actually the same parable. And that's why it says, so he told them this parable. And so it takes three forms. The form of the, the shepherd, the woman who searches for the lost coin, and the father who searches for the lost son. Same parable. Three forms. And today what I want to do, we're going to do this in two parts. But today, brothers and sisters, this gospel is the gospel in miniature. And so all of us today, I know when you hear this gospel, you know you, um, Deacon Tom gets up and he gets to the, the prodigal son and he says, oh, there's a, a man who had two sons. And you think, I know this one. Uh, and I don't know what went through your heart and mind today. Uh, I know for me when I, uh, before I was a priest sometimes, when I heard the prodigal son, I'm like, oh, I know this one. And I kind of roll my eyes in my head. How many of you, have you done that before? This means yes. This means no. Okay. Liars. Um, <laughs> what I want you to do today is I want you to open your heart. This story is the power of the gospel. If you drink, drink deeply today of this story, it will renew your heart and your mind and your soul. It'll free you from thinking that you are an ordinary person and that your life is about your career path or what house you live in or how attractive you are, how much money you make. If you let this story enter not just your ears, but if you let it enter your heart and your soul, It'll make you a son or a daughter. 
The story is about the heart of God. That's what it's about. And you and I were so prone to believing lies about who God is. Satan loves to give us a false image of the Father. And the world needs the truth so desperately, and it starts with us, brothers and sisters. You and I have got to know the heart of God. If we don't know it, nobody else is going to. It has to start with us. Now, I know, I know how it goes. You guys know the basics of the gospel. I know you do. And so if someone, you know, comes up to you this week and they say, uh, oh, you're one of those Catholics. You go to that church, you know, with the really long masses and the really attractive priests, right? And you're like, like yeah, that is my church. Um, and they said, you know what? I don't know what Christianity is really about. Could you tell me what does it mean to be a Christian? I bet you'd do a great job. I do. I think you would do a great job. And you would tell that person at your workplace or in your neighborhood, you would tell them, you would say, you know, even when we didn't deserve it, God sent his son to find us. And despite our sins and despite our brokenness and whatever we've done in our lives, that the Father loved us with a costly love. Not a cheap love, but a costly love. And you would believe it, and you would tell that person, you know, come, come talk to Father Vitold, right? He'll, he'll explain this to you. Come spend time with us, learn the gospel. But here's the thing, we all know it. You would tell other people that, but I bet you doubted about your own life. People come to me in the confessional, Father Brian, I just, I'm here all the time and I just, you can hear it in their voices. I know God loves other people. I know he's merciful and I know that he has costly love for the sinner who goes astray. But surely for me, God is ashamed. So the first parable, one man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. That part I track with. In my life, I'm like, I, I track that. I'm like, God, I know how good you are. I know that when I have left the path of righteousness and when I've abandoned your flock and I've gotten myself lost in dangerous places, I know that you'll come after me. But what I think is when God comes after me and he finds me, he's like, Brian, you know, this is time number 18,764. And my thought is, you know, God's going to say, Brian, you know better. And he'll hang his head in shame. If he has lost one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders. 
The average sheep weighs somewhere between 50 and 70 pounds. Next month, my community, we're doing a pilgrimage in New York to the Shrine of the North American Martyrs. Our packs are going to be about seven pounds. Still don't think we're going to make it. I, I, that's another story. The average sheep weighs 50 to 70 pounds. Christ picks up that 50 to 70 pound sheep. He places it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Rejoicing. Brothers and sisters, the heart of God is not like your heart. Right? Like, I, I try to forgive. I try to be a good Christian. I try to be merciful. I try to love passionately. But my heart goes so far. So don't cross me. Right? God's heart is not like that. The good news of the gospel is that the heart of the Father is a heart that rejoices in being good and merciful to you. And his love for you is so powerful, it's not a cheap love. His love for you cost him his son. Every year at the Easter Vigil, when the, we start the Easter Vigil, the Easter candle, we're in darkness in the church, and the Easter candle sits right here. And every year, we have a song, a hymn, the Exalted. In the middle of the Exalted is my favorite line. It says, to ransom a slave you gave your son. To ransom a slave you gave your son. I am that slave. And that was for me, right there. This is the power of the gospel. And we've got to get this right. Brothers and sisters, today, if you do one thing today, if you remember one thing from today's homily, today go home or stay after Mass, get on your knees and realize that the Father's heart rejoices in you. That He would do anything for you. He has done everything for you. This is so important. Romans chapter 1, 16. Such a powerful line. Romans 1, 16. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who has faith. The power of the gospel, brothers and sisters, will change your life. And with this, we've got to get the order right. If you're a good Catholic, and I know all of you are, if you're a good Catholic, what we always want to do is we want to say, yes, I believe in the merciful, powerful heart of the Father. And yes, I also believe in the laws of Christ. But oftentimes as Catholic, we get the order wrong. And the order is massively important. 
massively important. And today, and it's nothing new, this, there's nothing new with this, but today a lot of people, we want to be good Catholics. And so what we say is to be a good Catholic is, Jesus, I want to follow your law. And that's good. But too often times you and I start with the law. And we say, you know, the church teaches that you should fast an hour before you receive the Eucharist. The church teaches in the dignity of marriage. The church teaches X, Y, and Z. And proper liturgy looks like this, and proper dress looks like that. That's in the air right now. Those things are all true. But they're second. They're second. They are not first, brothers and sisters. The second son today in Luke 15, the older son who waits outside and we don't know if he goes back in to rejoice with his father and his brother. When he talks to his father, his father came out to him and entreated him, but he answered his father, Behold, these many years I have served you. The Greek there does not say I have served you. The Greek word for service is diakonia. It's him. Service is diakonia. The Greek, right here in Luke 15, the older son says, all these years, douleuo, I have slaved in your house. That son missed the gospel. Does God want us to follow his laws? Of course he does. But does he want us to do it because this is our duty and we are disciplined as Christians? Of course not. The obedience that you and I offer the Father, brothers and sisters, is much better than that. It's a thousand times greater than that. It's the obedience of the son who came home because he was loved. Today you have to go home. Your homework today, uh, I say this every year when the story of the prodigal son comes. Go home today, Josh Garrels. He used to be hip, he's probably less relevant now. Josh Garrels has a song called At the Table. And if you don't like that song, you probably don't have a soul, but that's okay. <laughs> Go listen to that song today. It's very simple. It's a story. It's the, it is the prodigal son. But it's so powerful. And the father in that song cries out for his son. And I love the chorus. He has one line that is haunting. And he just says, there will always be a place for you. <laughs> There will always be a place for you at my table. This is the heart of our God. And it's such good news. Second point today is this. Okay, so remixes are big, right, today? We all know different songs that are remade or movies that are remade or stories that are retold. Um, I'm at Shoes Fit. I see some of you guys there. Um, and we get huge together, right? It freaks people out. They're like, wow, Father Brian is cut, right? 
But I go to Choose Fitness, and I'm, when I'm there one day, about six months ago, I'm walking around on the gym floor, and uh, I had my Spotify on and my headphones, and I was like, you know what? I'm always listening to like, like melancholic music because it's good for your soul. But today I'm going to listen to like workout music. So I was like, I looked like on Spotify and I was like, workout mix, all right. And this song comes on and I'm like, okay. Not, not so much me, but I can kind of, yeah, I can do this. I can get into this. And there's like, you know, one of those like, like I'm not going to sing it for you, but there's pretty cool beat going on. And then all of a sudden, I hear a line that's like familiar. And I'm like, and then whoever's singing says, and I think it's going to be a long, long time till I know you know it. <laughs> this is an old Elton John song. This is Rocket Man. But now it's been, you know, brought back to life by Dua Lipa. <laughs> and I was like, there is a God. <laughs> Remix happened. But anyway, we all know those, don't we? And remixes can go kind of one way or another. They can go beautifully. They can go terribly. Maybe they can be a mixed bag. Here's the second point today. The prodigal son is a remix. Most of us don't know this. We, have, we, we need to study scripture more deeply. The, product, the story of the prodigal son is a remix. It's the same story that everyone knows. All of Jesus' audience knows the story. They know the lyrics. They know how the story goes. They've heard it a thousand times because the story Jesus tells today is the story of Israel. And so... Jesus says, a man had two sons, and one of them comes to his father and says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance that will come to me. Jacob, the, prof, the patriarch Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel in the book of Genesis, Jacob is the younger of two sons, Jacob and Esau. In Genesis chapter 27, Jacob steals his brother's inheritance. And guess what happens? In the prodigal son story, the prodigal son has done something so bad, he has to go to a far-off land. Guess what Jacob does right after he steals his brother's inheritance? He goes to a far-off land. When Jacob is in exile, he goes to a far-off land, he tends the flock of his uncle Laban and he serves beasts in the story of the prodigal son the prodigal son goes to a far off land and he serves swine which is even worse and lower what Jesus is doing here and here's the second point today brothers and sisters we tend to think of God's mercy as being something individual and just for one person Today's story is the story of the people of God. And all through the Old Testament, there's a promise. It goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. There's a promise that when God's people sin against God, they're going to go to a far land. And they're going to hit rock bottom. 
But there's a promise. God promises that he will bring his son, who is named Israel, back home. And that he will be restored to his father's house. A couple other really cool things in here that we just, we, the way we, how do we know that this is really about Jacob and Israel? So in the story of the prodigal son, he arose and came to his father. While he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and embraced him and kissed him. The Greek there says the father fell on his neck and kissed him. That line only happens one other place in the entire Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 33. In Genesis 33, the patriarch Jacob returns home. And he's scared of his brother that he cheated, and Esau runs to him, falls on his neck, and kisses him. Why does this matter? Brothers and sisters, the promises of God, here's God's promise for all of us, is that when we leave the Father's house and we go into exile, and that can happen on an individual level, but it can also be the church. When the church is not faithful to the gospel, when we're prideful and arrogant, when we're fixated on the wrong things, when we're openly in sin, whatever it might be, when God's people go into exile, the Father promises that someday he will bring them home. And what Jesus is doing in the story of the prodigal son is he's telling us that in Christ, that promise is fulfilled. In Jesus' ministry, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, the people of God come home. If you and I get this right, if you know that the story of your life, your identity, if you know your identity is not about what job you have, your identity is not your address, your identity is not even your state of life. My identity is that I am a slave who was adopted by a good father. And he lost his son because he loved me. That's who I am. That is my identity. That is your identity. You are not like other people. We are not like other people. We have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And if we know that, if we know that that is the centerpiece of Christianity, the centerpiece of Christianity is not how you dress. The centerpiece of Christianity is not what you eat. The centerpiece of Christianity is not any of these external things. None of them are bad. The centerpiece of Christianity is the redemption of slaves. And if we get that right, many, many more people will come to the Father's house. So Jesus today is such good news. Lord, I struggle to believe it, and so many of us do. We struggle to believe 
that it could possibly be true. Not only that you would bring me home, but that you would do so with a joyful heart. It's, it's too good to be true. Lord, today, anyone in this church, anyone today that does not believe that, right now, Jesus, will you open their heart to receive the gospel? That your love always comes first. Jesus, may we drink deeply of that, and Lord, may the joy we have in having been brought home, may it free us that we always know love comes before the law, May we be obedient, but obedient as sons and not as slaves. And Jesus, may all the men and women you have created, may they all come home to the Father's house.